welcome to week two of the Thought Junkie podcast with Nicholas and Max. How are you doing today, sir? Good, dude. Sun's out. We're locked in a small room. I'm ready to record a podcast. Yeah. I, I would like to start off this podcast with a, uh, what's the opposite of a shout out? A, a hi- I hate you to Nicholas Maduro, authoritarian leader of Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a jerk, bro. Let the people live. <laughs> what a way to kick everything <laughs> off. Though I, I feel like you have a lot of pent up anger that you want to let out. <laughs> He's just—it's just rude, man. You—you you don't gotta do that to people. He killed some indigenous indigenous tribal people today. Oh, really? Well, he didn't. Kill, his army killed them. Gotcha. Yeah. So he learned from colonial USA. Oh, well, colonial USA learned from colonial England. Well, hot damn. I guess so. So but this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, so, so, so we're here. <laughs> yeah, it's week two. This is our podcast. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to give an, a shout out, which is the opposite of, uh, hey, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> uh, to all the people who tuned in for episode one, we've already uh, received uh, a ton of support. Yeah. Uh, lots of feedback, lots of people eager to uh, to comment on mm-hmm. uh, what's been discussed. Because awesome, folks. So so we do appreciate that. And uh, I mean, it's only going to go uphill from here. Uh, we're hoping to have different types of format, different types of audio. And uh, it's nice to be somewhat professional on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple uh, Podcasts. I know. We're fancy like that. Hey, I mean, it just shows that we're moving up, dude. You have to have that (laughs) professionalism. So what's today, Max? Today is George Washington's birthday. And I thought we could just take a little time to discuss um, the man who kind of held it all together following the Revolutionary War. I know uh, George Washington is one of those figures that's very uh, – pe- people praise him a lot without knowing his full story. Yeah. For better or for worse. I mean, he's deserving, of, he's deserving of a lot of praise. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like most people, the man's not perfect. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's close to 300 slaves who lived on Mount Vernon that would <laughs> beg to disagree with uh, – People say he's an amazing person, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, definitely an an interesting individual. Um, kind of kind of has an interesting story. Came up uh, with the British Army and fought in the, I believe he commanded not at not necessarily high rank, but he was a commander in the French and Indian War. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, or what, what what's the, what do they call it across the pond? I forget the name. They they call it something different in England, actually. It's gotcha. Not, not the French and Indian War, but um. Interesting. Anyways, um, wasn't the most successful commander. Kind of got uh messed up a few times out on the frontier, but um, you know, a guy who believed in uh, American independence and uh, the the equality of man, but at the same time. Uh, a person who was heavily involved in the creation of those documents and the founding of this nation, him and his colleagues turned a blind eye to, um, you know, the the African-American slaves who were in their possession at the time. It's kind of a a unique position because on on one side of the fence, you have to appreciate that patriotism and that foundation of the liberties that we uh, have today. I mean, the freedom of speech that a lot of times we take for granted that it's allowing uh, us to be here, allowing journalists to speak, for people to be proactive. Uh, Mm -hmm. We need to remember those things. Uh, And a lot of countries don't have that necessarily. But on the other end, for them to be somewhat hypocritical for our founding fathers to – 
you know, kind of uh, create a law that works for them in certain ways. I yeah. mean, you have to take into consideration that as great of a guy as he was, I mean, again, when you have all that power, you're, you're held under a microscope. And uh, certainly, you're not perfect all the time. I mean, we you encounter the same pitfalls when you look at people like Thomas Jefferson, you know, with Monticello and his slaves. And um, these these were very complicated individuals who were kind of born of a... Uh, yeah, the the country was this revolution was sparked by the enlightenment in Europe, you know, an intellectual movement, um, which was kind of pushed by the scientific revolution and this kind of logical, realistic thinking that kind of stemmed out of that. And uh, you know, these were guys who wrestled with really difficult things. Um, and uh, I, I looking back now, I think most people would say. Um, except for really messed up neo-Nazis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think most people would say that um, they they were, uh, they didn't do so hot when it came to um, putting together the nation as a whole. They definitely put together the one society of the nation, but they turned a blind eye to another one um, that has traditionally worked African Americans in the United States have had to work harder than anybody else in American history and the fact that they are where they are today is truly an incredible and a testament to the culture and determination of those people and um, I think uh, looking back today we can look back at George Washington as, as someone who had good intentions when it came to the founding of this country, but he certainly was not a perfect individual. Yeah, and, and I entirely agree that uh, I won't get too far into the uh, the social uh, aspects or the politics of it all, mm-hmm. but in creating a country based on inherent liberties and freedom and not to have every man inherently equal. Uh, and, you know, uh, you can look at it today differently than back then, but Definitely. at least at, at the, the the founding of the country, having slaves while also saying all men are created equal, yeah. uh, it inherently creates a little bit of conflict that we're still sorting out to this day because it's inherently rooted in the foundations of this company, uh, this country, not company. I'm pretty much a company in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but I digress. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's just fairly interesting to uh, to see how that phrase, all men are created equal, has since evolved and has been supported or taken apart uh, to suit who's been in power, who's been socially mm-hmm. uh, relevant and whatnot. And yeah. uh, today's a good day to reflect on the main man, yeah, George W. The guy who kind of started it all. So, no, definitely do your research, folks, and know more about this man. He was a complicated individual, but he, uh, you know, I... He's he's a founding father, important person in our country's history. Though serious question, you being the history buff and all, wooden teeth, yes or no? Uh, that's gonna that's gonna get a no from me. Really? Frankly, yes. I that is not you know if you got a little birch wood going on, you might look all right, but I, you know if it's a cherry tree, <laughs> not gonna cut it. I'm just saying, I'm glad because. That that he didn't have, you know, you know, uh-huh. like, like wooden teeth. I'm I'm not glad that like you know he cut down the cherry tree or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, if he would have genuinely had wood teeth, that would have been pretty heckin' funny. Yeah, I mean, man's got wood in his mouth 24/7. He's leading the country. That's what we're founded on. Yeah, I mean, hey, 
Wood teeth or not, my guy was a badass. Oh, so. I, I agree. <laughs> if I was to like walk into a bar and I saw like George Washington sitting down, like dressed up with like general boots and like uh, all of his like military like regalia and like yeah. like a, a saber on his side, mm-hmm. and he's like like nursing a drink all alone, I'd probably walk out of the bar. I'd be like, <laughs> first of all, why is there a man with a powdered wig inside this bar? It's like. In Grand Rapids, like, That's what the so hell is going 1776, on? man. What are you doing? Get with it. Grand Rapids is supposed to be progressive. We don't do that out here in the Northwest Territories. But but seriously, <laughs> like, if I saw... He just kind of embodies to me, like, what Macho Man was in the 1770s. Yeah. Like, he's just all around, like... When I picture, like, Macho Man today, I picture, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. When I picture, like, Macho Man back then... Glorious individual. George Washington. Yeah, I mean, well, George Washington was certainly a, uh, as uh, our friend Kyle would say, a big boy. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> he was uh, estimated, it, it says here, about um, an even six feet. Seriously. Um, And close to 200 pounds. Damn. So that is a, that's a fella back in the day. I was about to say, yeah, the, the man's a unit. Yeah. Wasn't uh, Abe Lincoln the same way, too, like, imposing, like, tall-wise? Oh, no. Dude, Abe Lincoln would have dunked on you at the rec center. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be honest with you, most people would. So, like, that's not really an accomplishment. Yeah. I've got no vertical, no height, but um, to be dunked on by, by the great emancipator himself, I would be honored. Well, there you go. So, um... To kind of lighten up the mood from this, uh, the this be- the beginning to this podcast, we're going to now dive into memes, a uh, a national pastime, <laughs> world or a, a an international pastime, a worldwide phenomena, just truly a uh, a happiness bringing activity. It's the exchange and the creation of what we call memes. Yeah, and, and it's interesting too that uh, I like the direction that we take. Is is last episode we're talking about futuristic technology uh-huh, yeah. and the serious implications of revolutionary science. Yeah, yeah. And now we're like, hey, I like pictures of dogs yeah, with the captions. Let's talk some memes. Let's talk some Doges. I'm telling you, man, they play an important part in more people's lives than you'd think. Honestly, uh, like I won't lie, there I'll be scrolling through Twitter every morning for at least half an hour, like laying in bed. Yeah. And half of it's going to be news. It's pitiful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, half of it's news and half of it's memes. And it's the reason I get up every morning. Screw the news. I only follow meme pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, th- there's a certain beauty to the creation of memes nowadays. It was very different back maybe like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But it's going to sound like I'm, I'm full of shit. But memes have, ev- memes have evolved. Memes are now... I think this this is the renaissance of meme creation that we're in right the now. Renaissance of meme creation. Exactly. So are you saying the renaissance was sparked by rediscovered items from the past? Yes. Have we rediscovered old items that we now call memes and have ordained them as the golden the golden uh children of internet comedy? I think that we've taken traditional meme culture and rediscovered other parts of our culture and applied meme thought to them, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. So I'm going to take, for example, a, a, a meme creator I, I hold to high esteem. Okay. Uh, if you know who Grande is. I, I do not. Enlighten me. So, so Grande is a uh, 
he's what people would call a meme god by definition. A me- <laughs> meme god. I, I do believe that's the, the that's the the technical term. Okay. Uh, because I've actually seen it online in in terms of like his bio. Okay. Uh, so a meme deity named what was his name? Grande. Great. Grande. He's, he's like a meme pimp daddy. Like that, the the memes are his bitches. Of, is that a part of his meme personality is to not say grande, it's grande? Uh, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you on the pronunciation. I, I do know he's from like, uh, I, th- I think maybe he's from New Zealand or somewhere like New that. New Zealand? Yeah. Wow. But but get this, he, he he's highly esteemed and a big part of his, I mean, he made your traditional memes earlier, but now... A big part of his meme entourage is uh, using music to expand upon stuff that's already done. So mm. uh, both Fortnite and Minecraft now have creative tools that let you make songs in the game. And the, uh, man, yes. the man's using his musical prowess to recreate meme songs inside these games that in, them, in and of themselves are memes. So crossing over gaming and music and making it pretty damn spot on. Has anyone been rickrolled in Fortnite to this day? I think that there's a there's room for that, and there's a call for action. There's, yeah, definitely. Let's uh, let's get some of our Fortnite playing listeners on that right away. And like t- to uh, to bring another meme lord inside too, Cyronek. Uh, mm. He's also known for his his meme music, and he's on Spotify. You, you can look up his content. But he will cross over probably several months worth of, of content and sound bits and uh, and meme music and create something that genuinely slaps. So <laughs> that, that, that that was my critical analysis. <laughs> uh, slaps, yes. Um, what a wonderful description. So I I would like to break down the the tiering of these these meme uh, this meme aristocracy. So the first one, you um. <laughs> You define him as a meme god. Yeah, meme god. And the second one is you said a meme lord. Yeah, yeah, we say so, meme lord. So, what what is the tiering difference between a meme god and a meme lord? I think uh, status has to do a lot with it. Status. I mean, when you have what uh, lands, what lands does the meme lord hold? I'm I'm just saying, what you, you know that you're uh, you're you're a meme god. Over a meme lord, mm-hmm. when you're you're inside like a meme compilation, and you see that the original watermarks in the bottom left corner, and then an even bigger watermarks in the top uh, right corner. You've been you've been superseded by a, a meme god's watermark. That, that that's like a, a meme peasant trying to seize the means of production and like put his name over the the his lord or his uh his employer. So, are we then the meme serfs? Yeah. Of of their of their meme kingdom, we we are strictly the labor holding them up because without our our viewership, they are nothing. Without our society. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is is that meme culture emulates serfdom. Yes, yes. And uh, I do think that there are ways to uh, to climb up the ranks. Uh, this is a feudal meme society. Uh, I also think that you can be born in the hierarchy too. Okay. Uh, take for example, uh, Jack Black. Oh, ha- have you seen Jack Black? Of course, uh, wonderful individual. Uh, most most known uh, among the Latino community for his role in Nacho Libre. Oh my God, love that movie. He's truly a fantastic portrayal, and uh, and entirely accurate too. Uh, um, we we can talk about that later, but <laughs> <laughs> but but no, his uh, him and his son. 
are actually like they have a YouTube channel now. It's called Really? Yeah, Jablinski Games. Jablinski Games. They went almost a month and a half with no gaming videos, but they posted once a week. Okay. And uh and you can see that he has moved up, even though he had celebrity fame, he had moved up uh, him and his son from meme consumer yes. to connoisseur to now creator, too. He himself oh. is the subject of memes and the creator of memes because of his son's involvement in the community. And uh, wow. it's really, I don't want to say it's inspiring because it makes it sound like this is, this is again, we're, we're holding memes to some sort of socio-esteem or social esteem. Yes. But... It's pretty damn cool. But I think you you run into an odd situation here because in this meme society, you have a situation where you have Jack Black, who is someone whose notoriety is derived from popular culture, whereas memes are underground culture that come into pop culture. They are the voices of the people. And um, would Jack Black be a meme warlord? Because... By definition of a feudal society, technically a serf cannot rise to power unless he becomes a warlord. Yeah, I, I can see that. And he's currently waging a war or trying to give himself more esteem and make his uh, leadership yeah certain, like certified. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's like a yeah he's he is he is a meme warlord. I, we, we've created a new class in this <laughs> meme society. Jack Black is busting through feudal society. <laughs> Uh, I, I do want to touch on the point that you made uh, about uh, memes and culture, though. Yeah. Uh, because uh, specifically, I, I want to look at AirPods. Because oh, yes. AirPods are a point of contention for me. A sign of the aristocracy. Exactly. But they weren't always that way. Right. Because if, if you don't remember, AirPods, when they first came out, people thought were fucking ridiculous, yeah. to, to, to put it bluntly. Yeah. They're like... Who would who would put these stupid things in their ears? They're easy to lose. It's just a bad product. It's Apple trying to be revolutionary where it shouldn't be. But revolutionary. <laughs> oh God. Don't don't get into this shit. That's just taking two Bluetooth things that, that stockbrokers in New York wore in the two thousands. <laughs> and then but but once they have these these things, right? The the memes start evolving. They said that the people who wore them, uh you know, the memes, it smells like broken here. I can't hear you because I have my AirPods in. Those are, are rising and they're becoming cultural norms. And wherever you walk, you'll see people with AirPods in now. Let's let's go back to that um, that that saying. Um, this is this is a common phrase, almost a uh, what would you call uh, what what is a popular saying? What would that be called? Not, not a catchphrase, or yeah, not not maybe not necessarily a catchphrase, but a um, a, a verse okay. that that um, that well-paid individuals hold dearly. Okay, it smell like broken here. Yeah, so let's unpack that. Well, uh, coming from a a language guy, it cannot smell like a lack of funds in one place. So. The phrase, first of all, in and of itself, is meme by definition. Of course. And uh, I, I think it's important to know that when associated with uh, AirPod culture, that now because of the popularity of that, that meme mm-hmm. uh, you can't see the air quotes, but I'm making <laughs> air quotes, uh, that meme phrase, you see people that have AirPods and now have an aura associated with them that 
implies that they are made of money and right. that they have this status associated with this object. Same thing with Gucci. Same thing with, uh, yeah, yeah, like like most name brands too. That even though they look ridiculous or or they're not worth the money, the meme associated with them implies an intrinsic social value, right? That in a sense elevates them via status because of a shared understanding amongst the people. So if it, if if you were to enter a room where there were multiple Gucci AirPod wearing individuals, let's say just kicking it, kind of hanging out on Louis Vuitton beanbag chairs. Okay. Upon entering that room, you would not state it smelled like broken here. Oh, no. Not in the slightest. I mean, unless you say, like, I reek of broke in comparison to your, like, amazingness. But it is not the, the brokey's responsibility to identify himself as a brokey. Oh, no. Not, well... I mean, he doesn't have his AirPods, and so it's obvious that, that he has no funds whatsoever. I mean, he doesn't have the, the Gucci flip-flops. He's got nothing. Is it possible for him to almost stage a surprise attack in a way? So what do you mean by that? So when I mean stage a surprise attack, uh, I'm, I'm implying that someone exclaims, it smells like broken here. Upon entering a room with seemingly broke folks, and then upon the lifting of their shirts and the pulling out of their pockets, they reveal AirPods and Gucci belts. <laughs> so, so, so what you're it's saying like a is meme assassination. <laughs> so, so you're you're saying someone's going to walk in there, declare that they are the wealthiest, most meme dominant person in the room, and then once he whips out his AirPods and Gucci belt. Like, people are supposed to, like, bow down and cut the wires off their headphones. You have no longer, um, you've been dethroned <laughs> in your status of, uh, of, uh, cultural wealth. Attention, everyone! <laughs> I present to you AirPods and a Gucci belt! <laughs> oh, fuck, this guy's serious. <laughs> bow to me! <laughs> Hey, I'm not sure what he wants, man. But we should probably give him. Uh, we should probably give him our headphones. Or Definitely, something. yeah. We, we got to give it all up, dude. Look at me. <laughs> Though I cannot hear what you are saying, it smells like broke. <laughs> <laughs> it do smell like broken here, though. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That, what is that? An off-brand beanie you have on there? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't go with the name brand. Let me one. get to cooking on you with your. Larry Nasser looking glasses. Okay, <laughs> so I'm, I'm cutting you off. Now it's personal. Uh, but I, I do want to talk about uh, a different direction of meme culture. Of course. Uh, something that, that starts on the internet and works its way into normal society, specifically by the news. It, beca- it started underground. Now it was newsworthy. Now it's kind of normalized. Yeah. But I want to talk about Pepe the Frog. Oh, hot topic. The symbol of uh, the neo-Nazis and hate culture, do you agree? Yeah, hot take here. Yeah, um, so I, 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 it's kind of interesting how Pepe the Frog becomes a uh, kind of a in, in, in a meme that somehow becomes a form of white supremacy. Yeah. So you have this frog, right? Yeah. That uh, has big oogly googly eyes. You're on an MS Paint. And (laughs) 
Um, I, I mean, I mean, before before you keep going, the, whoever created it, obviously it was no artiste. I mean, like he didn't have Photoshop. <laughs> he had like a bootleg copy of like some graphic design software, and he's like, "Fuck it." Uh, so if you look at um, if you if you would like to see the direct effects of LSD on the brain, okay, you can take a look at the original Pepe and the Frog meme and consult that for uh, <laughs> for yeah. what it does to your motor skills. Gotcha. But um, uh, I don't know, man. I think this this is a weird thing where like kind of the internet, like cross like neo Nazis were in pop culture pushed underground, right? Yeah. And then what happens when you get pushed underground? At least in the twenty first century, is you find your way onto four chan. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I think that, uh, it goes to show that uh, Pepe the Frog, first of all, meme history lesson for for those of you who don't know, originated on 4chan. And 4chan is kind of like the slums of internet meme culture and, and almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> it is the equivalent, if you ever look at aerial shots of Rio de Janeiro. Okay. The favelas. <laughs> Uh, the, hidden in the favelas is where you would find 4chan. Yeah, it, it's kind of like like if you're walking downtown somewhere and like 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 you're wandering and like if for some reason you end up like in the bad neighborhood <laughs> and like you're like oh fuck I shouldn't be here like I need to leave now like that that's 4chan like if you type in just like random letters and numbers and that pops up like in your web browser like abort like turn off your computer <laughs> clear your search search history like install a VPN. Uh, but but you don't want to wind up there. 4chan is like the uh, the Ellis Island for <laughs> 4chan is the Ellis Island for the dark web <laughs> and browsers like Tor and stuff like that. When they return to the 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 normal part of society and not like Silk Road and yeah. and uh, really creepy dark web stuff. Yes, so we're we're gonna keep the conversation on the civilized side of the of the meme threshold. Uh, not, not, I'm going to just just acknowledge that it's a different culture, uh, but 4chan also publicly known for harboring uh, hate culture, to to put it very bluntly. ISIS, ISIS, uh, things that we probably shouldn't be talking about, uh, and we will not talk about. But pretty much, if you were to put just all the fucked up shit that you can in picture on the internet in a blender and just pour it out over one website, 4chan. That, exactly. So that is what happens. So when you look at Pepe the Frog as a as as a meme in general in its own right, mm-hmm. uh, when it became mainstream, it was a, it was a initially associated from with where it came from. It came from 4chan, so naturally it carried with it the stigma of that culture associated with it. Let me stop you real quick, Nick. Are you a member of 4chan? I am not. I don't know if I believe you. That's cool. I'm just saying... Are you a member of Reddit, the the not-so-favela-ish message board yeah. on the internet? Yeah. Uh, excellent. Reddit is a great community. I, I will say that uh, while I'm not a member of 4chan, I am a meme historian uh, undergraduate okay. student. Wow. Uh, is that your uh, your emphasis? Yes. I, I'm a history major with an emphasis on meme culture and uh, in impacts in society. Wow. Sounds more like a sociology major to me. Unofficially. Okay. But to, uh, but to, to continue on, on that point, though, uh, I, I do think that – Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> for, for those who are wondering what just happened, uh, 
I uh, I hit Nick with a one of the traditional golden memes of the uh, YouTube era, in which uh, Tezande's chocolate rain. Every time he needs to take a breath, he moves his mouth away from the mic so that no one will hear him breathe. And it's just Max looking away, mouth ajar, going. <gasps> and uh, this this is what has thrown Nick off of his uh, his mental uh, train track. So I'm going to try and finish the point I've been trying to make yeah, for the go past for it. Like, I'm 10 sorry. minutes. I no, apologize no, you're for that. You're, you're good. I, I believe meme culture is strictly rooted in this kind of conversation where, uh, yeah. where, where there is no set track. But I think that uh, following Pepe the Frog's rise to fame as a hate symbol, its popularization, mm-hmm. it was adopted by what hardcore memesters or memists or meme gods, whatever you want to classify them as, would call... Like, Mamarits? Yeah, Mamarits. Uh, I'm just rolling with this shit at this point. I mean, uh, th- th- there's no law to uphold here. Uh, but what mainstream uh, mean consumers, they're referred to as, as normies, which includes like pop culture mm-hmm. figures, people who, uh, like Kayla from high school, who likes to post pictures of her and her friends like on the beach on her Instagram, might also think that the funny-looking frog is the shit and not understand the, the deeper meaning behind where it came from. Right. And I think that's about where it is right now. It's no longer a, a symbol of hate, but an old kind of sign of what used to be that has since been normalized and destigmatized. Like a lot of other symbols, not just in meme culture, have become. I like to think that if the human race isn't around in, uh, let's say, a mil- no, 200,000 years, okay, a, a, an alien civilization lands... In the Nevada desert. Okay. Yeah. And they brush off a, a, a sandstone. Yeah. That has some some gravelish type, you know, dusty material on it, and carved into this rock is Pepe the Frog. And then that's just all they would ever know about our civilization. Just a small piece. I won't lie. Well, <laughs> first of all, th- that's one hell of a situation you've set up. <laughs> But I'd like to hope that if they, they came to Earth, they'd see th- this one meme. It's a video that I saw the other night. It's a parody of uh, Michael Jackson's Rock With You. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's called Nut In You. And uh, it's, it's just a guy. He has an awful mic quality. He has a green screen. He's dancing. And he, he's parodying the song. And I really do hope that if the aliens do come, they brush off, they find like a little floppy disk or a CD or whatever. A floppy disk. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is like super future here. Mm-hmm. And we have floppy disks. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that I hope that they find that and they play it in their, their space CD player or like plug in their, their space AirPods. And uh, they start rocking out to that shit. And they're like, what the fuck was life on Earth like? Is Michael Jackson representative of American culture? No, but but the the nut and you guy is to the aliens. Uh, I think the nut and you guy is representative of uh, of meme culture. Yes, but I mean, think about Michael Jackson though. You you have a guy who's incredibly talented. Yeah, has fantastic opportunities, and then people just get to him, and he's like, "Let me switch up my nose." Okay. And you just kind of, you know, that happens with a lot of people in American society is they have a lot of talent and potential and then the world just gets to them and then they just become regular Americans. 
you know, I feel like you're trying to derail this conversation from being serious. <laughs> it's kind of like like when we had a discussion last week and you and you tried to throw some bullshit at me. You're like, are you gonna take the bait? You gonna take the bait? No, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like to take your mind into places it wouldn't traditionally go. No, I feel that. And I feel like that's that's half the point of this podcast. Let me talk about something less serious and more ethical though. Okay. In the creation of memes, I mean, you have your different categorizations. You have your wholesome memes, which are, you know, uh, I saw a video of a dog, like a person rolling a dice into a little little dice tray, yeah. and then a dog drops a tennis ball in trying to do his part. Like, that's a meme. That's a wholesome meme. You know, things that aren't inherently offensive, just meant to make you smile because they are, they are cute, something like that, right? And this is what we would, we would categorize as a wholesome meme. A wholesome meme. Yes. This that is that is the category of of the larger under the meme tree. Yes. There is a small sect known as the wholesome meme, and exactly plays host to um, f- uh, cute and funny videos of babies, dogs, funny dog videos. Yep. Um, Old cat, people sometimes. Cat cucumba memes. Yes. Um, cucumba for those who do not know is a is is internet meme. Sanskrit for <laughs> Sanskrit. for for cucumber. Okay, and uh, I think if you if you break down the categories further, right, you have your your fandom memes, which are only appreciated within a certain uh, culture. So whether they be around Star Wars, they be around uh, a certain show like like Survivor, The Bachelor, like subcategories of the meme tree. Yes, and uh, I think I think one that is relatively large is going to be. Uh, your borderline offensive memes, things that talk about uh, hard conversations to have in a serious sense, things mm-hmm. like uh, suicide, depression, but have since been tailored to approach those difficult conversations with an optimistic, funny kind of uh, introspection to them so that the people who uh, have these conditions have a way to, I wouldn't say cope in a way, but uh, learn to coexist with the, like like the hand that they're dealt. Because I know that a lot of people that have... Uh, issues do mm-hmm. uh, associate with, with memes that would be considered offensive because uh, other people may not be able to step in their shoes, but they feel uncomfortable reacting to them because they are offensive. And this is something that humans do in general. Okay. Um, we, uh, we talk about this, um, or you would talk about this a lot in a sociology class. Uh, one of the things that humans do when faced with great trauma or... Um, something that hurts emotionally yeah. uh, w- would be frame it through um, comedy. Yeah, I mean, that's why people uncomfortably laugh at a funeral or during an interview, like when they're in places of like discomfort, their yeah. natural reactions to create some sort of lightheartedness out of it so that they can cope with it easier. And that's where I think those offensive or uh, glorifying memes come from. Most certainly. And uh, but that raises a question for me. Is there any line in the sand in terms of things that are off limits to make a meme or, or, or to make comical in that sense. I know that uh, a lot of comedians nowadays are having discussions about uh, eliminating the need for standards or things that are off limits because right. everything should be should warrant criticism in comedy. But is there anything that you just don't make fun of? So the difference between comedy, and I'm not a comedian, yeah. So I d- I don't you know we would have to consult an actual comedian or somebody who's in that business mm-hmm. if they would agree with this. But I would tend to think that 
with comedy, there's an intimate intimacy. They see your face. They're oftentimes they'll be there in a comedy club or at a venue. Yeah. Um. Uh, they hear your voice. They know who you are, and uh, your opinion or not your opinion. Everything seems like an opinion these days, which is probably what makes it difficult for an, for a comedian. Mm-hmm. But your your joke gets kind of seen as an opinion, whereas on the internet, people the internet is kind of like Afghanistan. Oh my god! At, this this is I'm all about I'm all about relating two things that have nothing to do with one another, man. This is what I'm going to do this whole podcast. Go go. Um, for it. The internet is like Afghanistan. Many people have tried to conquer and hold it down. Okay. Afghanistan always bucks off its conqueror. You cannot hold down the internet. So there, I, there is nothing off limits on the internet because there will always be a place where those who are being persecuted can flee to and they'll rise up stronger than ever in a new internet community that will just take over the airwaves. So I'm not sure I'm following. Uh, so relate that to the creation of something offensive for me. So let's talk about anti-vax parents. Okay. So it, it is some it, the the jokes about the death of children mm-hmm. uh, at a young age. Um, that's pretty, I would say that's a pretty taboo thing. That's not something you want to talk about. Yeah, especially because it's difficult for the families, yeah. of course, under any circumstances. Like, you, you wouldn't want to share that content with a family who's been through it or with someone Most certainly. risking, you know, their association with uh, the effects of that. Yeah. But the strange thing about what the internet does is it it takes these difficult subjects, takes an image put some white bold lettering on the image and it turns it into something that has your stomach hurting because you're laughing so hard. So my my example for this would be something taboo like like that, like children dying with this whole anti-vax thing. Yeah. The internet took that, kind of put it in that blender of they might have even, you know, consulted the 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 citizens of 4chan and They've thrown these anti-vax memes out. Yeah. Like like beers at a bar on a Saturday night, just swinging them down the bar just over and over and over and over. And that's 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 the beautiful thing about the internet. It's kind of like when the the bold impact font comes out, like morals are off. That 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 would be very true. And uh I I think that the Specifically in that case, uh, meme creation kind of mirrors satire and parody, where uh, historically satire has made its mark on the world by taking a small inherent truth mm-hmm. and exaggerating it to uh, enact some sort of comedy about it. So uh, I know that a lot of old satire in the USA in like the 1940s and before yeah. uh, really focused on politicians. And uh, they would take key features on the politicians in uh, certain cartoons or in certain written pieces right. and exaggerate them, like large ears, large noses, being clumsy. And uh, they would uh, exaggerate those features mm-hmm. to a point of, uh, of comedy. So where it was a, you know, a, a simple, uh, you know, something that's uncommon. Uh, an example would be uh, today, you know, we talk about uh, 
a lot of uh, satirists, when they talk about Donald Trump, say he has small hands, right? Yeah. It's a simple observation. It in no way affects his leadership. But then someone will draw a cartoon of a, of a really tiny baby hand inside, like, a nuclear uh, – nuclear, I can't say that word. Nuclear? Yeah, launch button. Oh, my God. Ah. And uh, and there it is. That's, that's exaggerated. And it, it relates things that aren't necessarily true. Right. Uh, same thing with anti-vax, uh, like, parents and stuff like that. Like – you know, if if you were to see an image of uh, uh, anti-vax like mothers when they're making that decision, like granted, it's uh, put in their their belief that uh, you know uh, it's it's untraditional. It may cause autism, despite scientific research saying otherwise. Right. But those beliefs are exaggerated. So you may dress up that woman like she looks like a you know a colonial American. <laughs> And and boom, there's your meme. Throw some impact font on that. That's right. Yeah, that's the traditional anti-vax mom, as every every mother until vaccines are created. And uh, I think that's true in a lot of cases, though. I mean, I mean, like uh, they they take seemingly innocent thoughts and they exaggerate them to a point of comedy. Yeah. Uh, I know that. Uh, I mean, albeit a sensitive topic, but depression is now become it's lost a lot of the weight that it used to have because yeah. granted i think part of it uh depression as a whole is becoming a a topic that can be discussed a lot more because people are more open about having it and finding help but Most in terms certainly. of like like meme culture i'm gonna take a, a softball meme about depression like Kay. uh when people like talk about it and like they say like 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 why don't you you know do something horrible and the response is because mom would be sad and people are like oh that's funny. Like, <laughs> and, and see, there, there's the uncomfortable laughter we talked about. But, like, you know, people may have those thoughts and, like, stretched out and having that be the sole reason you don't do something horrible and exaggerating it. Right. Uh, in in this discussion, it sounds like it's an uncomfortable way to cope with that. But for a lot of people, that's how they come to terms with uh, with dealing with it. And they can unite themselves by saying, hey, uh, like, like the bigger idea is that, I don't want to do something bad to myself because I have these relationships with other people that are meaningful to me. Right. And I value, you know, that so much, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to take it down the, the the slippery slope of talking about these sensitive topics too much further, but back to the original question, what's off limits? I don't think anything's off limits. No, the, the internet is a is a free bird and it flies wherever it wishes, be that anti-vax moms or two wholesome memes and uh you know doggos and babies laughing and mm-hmm. things that warm your heart and and i think part of the reason for that is because you have first of all diversity in the internet it's such an open place and also you have people that even if you were to set like internet laws and have them enforced by like internet police yeah there are people that that would still say like fuck the rules yeah uh i mean well you see you see now there are memes in response to memes yeah the um for example, someone may post something um, that uh, that Twitter would would label as "quote unquote" wild yes. or out of pocket. Yep. And um, someone will respond with a picture of someone holding a pamphlet, and the pamphlet is titled "Reasons Why You Should Not Have Tweeted This." Yeah. So it is. You you almost have now these memes that are being created in response to memes that are seen as something that is, uh, quote unquote, out of pocket or something that's like uh-huh. outside of the norm. 
Yeah, and, and I think, uh, it, again, another subsection of memes, like response memes. Right. Uh, but I do want to ask you, uh, and, and to take a more historical perspective on this, uh, there are certain countries that suspend free speech in times of danger or in times of war. Right. Uh, we, we have, with our First Amendment, the uh, in states of emergency or when free speech jeopardizes the greater good or public safety, you have the ability to suspend that and yes. uh, take away the First Amendment, let's say, during an, another world war uh, where potentially that type of speech could be anti-war propaganda or whatnot to maintain the peace and pursue the greater good, although it might be controversial. Do you think that could be applied to memes as well? I mean, how do you think that, like, let's say we entered another war where people are starting trends online where Americans are showing distaste in uh, political activity or war and starting an online upheaval. Uh, do you think that that could be attacked without repercussion? So the meme will always win the day. <laughs> no matter how how much you think you're clamping down, the meme always comes out on top. It is the Mike Tyson in his prime type, oh. like... If you were to compare a meme to a fighter, okay, it would be if you mixed Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali, okay, and then gave him a tungsten chin. <laughs> that that is the equivalent of the meme. The fighter, formerly known as meme. Yes. So, the meme will always win the day because, think about. So you said if we have another world war, if you were to, uh, the next world war will probably last as long as it takes an ICBM to leave the ground and land somewhere else. Gotcha. So, but I guarantee you somebody will post a meme one minute before that bomb drops. <laughs> it, it, it'll, it'll probably be, there are actually memes of this now, of the uh, Spider-Man holding back a train. Yeah. And it says on Spider-Man, a wooden desk on the train, a nuclear bomb, and the people being saved by Spider-Man, elementary school children. Yeah. <laughs> um. The meme, the meme will always win the day because the internet has this weird way of creating its own language and the 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 cryptic kind of code like language, like people who know nothing about internet culture or memes or anything of that sort, look at it and it is an entirely foreign language to them. Yeah. So you end up with this situation where how are you supposed to clamp down on something when the people that you're going to have working for you will not be a part of that culture yeah because if you are a part of that culture the internet community is one of the largest free speech communities i think uh, out there yeah i agree like the total internet community i think is a huge organization for free speech but let's talk about the assaults on free speech too because it's becoming less and less of a place of, of free speech because businesses are getting further organized uh, online in terms of advertising. You see, uh, as of recent or, or as currently, YouTube is uh, under fire because uh, one small YouTuber uh, exposed uh, pedophilia rings uh, online in comment sections mm-hmm. and on certain videos. And advertisers like Disney, Fortnite, uh, well, which is their parent company, Epic Games, uh, have pulled back advertisements and they're hurting YouTube creators because of this, uh, 
I mean, granted, in no way, shape, or form am I supporting this kind of behavior online, but you right. see that companies have an influence on when people get paid. And uh, let's say that, you know, it wasn't pedophilia. It was just people saying, you know, the F word in their videos. Like, companies have the right to pull their advertisements and, and destroy their well-being. It, it is important to remember the origins of YouTube when discussing where YouTube is going. Yeah. There was no money in it to begin with. Oh, yeah, I agree. People do YouTube for a business now, but there's still people out there, the true, the equivalent of Persian immortals <laughs> of the internet. Yeah. Just these super soldiers of, of you know, they're, they're what, what did we call them? Memorites? Yeah, or something like that. They're 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 descendants of the of the Memorite clans okay. and the <laughs> the the people of the golden age of YouTube. Gotcha. And they don't do it for the money. They do it for, as Memorites would say, the lols. God, that, that that's old. <laughs> um, so you can you can turn YouTube into something where businesses control YouTube. Someone will just make a new website. Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's just a YouTube problem, though. I'd like to point out uh, Article 13. And for those who don't know what it is, it is uh, it's enforced by the, uh, the European Union, the EU. And it is their copyright directive that has been uh, approved, uh, as far as I'm aware. And it's uh, it suffered harsh criticisms where... It is supposed to stop free speech online by enforcing stricter copyright rules and uh, making companies uh, take responsibility for copyright content on their website. So let's say uh, Joe Schmo from uh, Britain uploads a, like a full Eminem music video with no commentary or whatever over it to his Facebook page, right? Mm-hmm. It's on Facebook to have things in place to take that down. Yeah, and I think that's different. That's something that should be rightfully taken down. But on the flip side, it could potentially be seen as so strict that uh, it is oppressive in a way. So if someone uses a, a two-second clip of uh, a news video or uh, or a music video for uh, for commentary's sake, yeah, it can be investigated and taken down by these same bots that are looking for Joe Schmo's Eminem repost. Yeah, I, I think um, the the counter to that the counterpoint to that would be that that's among groups that have become essentially their small internet groups that have become these huge entities like YouTube. Yeah. Um, and social media and stuff like that. But you, you can take away those larger platforms and this culture will still survive because it will exist in DMS and message boards and group chats yeah. and places that you can't send bots to, essentially kind of take these things away yeah it's like it's like the cockroach that survives the nuclear explosion are, are you comparing like memes and free speech to cockroaches yeah and in, in a very positive light yeah like, like the best part of the cockroach is immortality <laughs> are cockroaches immortal well i mean if they can survive a, like uh a fallout from a bomb that's pretty impressive I yeah mean, that's, better that's, than we could do yeah for then hiding under a desk you know no, for sure. But uh, but I, I do think that there are conversations to be had about free speech uh, in terms of comedy and the uh, internet as a whole. And, I mean, you have the internet, which is suspended across multiple different countries, so it's subject to different laws 
based off of where the, the host companies mm-hmm. uh, are based out of, uh, what international law is. And uh, it's difficult to keep free speech uh, and what we see as First Amendment rights active on the Internet throughout the entire world because there are places like China which uh, – or even like North Korea in a very extreme example right. that shut off certain websites. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I believe last time I read like North Korea only had a handful of websites that were carefully vetted by their government and hosted in North Korea for their, peop- uh, their people who had access to a computer could use. Yeah. And uh, even with that, I mean you have careful vetting of information. You have exposure to certain content online as right. – as, as, much as people see the internet as a free place, there are certain uh, levers and there are certain walls in place, whether they be internet service providers, ISPs, uh, whether they be local uh, country restrictions, whether they be different laws, to keep that speech in line. I think that you underestimate the power of the internet by stating that these laws and these countries would be able to keep it at bay when um, the internet in, in its history has, has even been stronger than some governments. Yeah. You know, you, you have hackers who would hack into the United States government and then tell them, hey, I can get in. Who else can get in? Yeah. Um, you know, the United States government is seen as, from a military perspective, the most elite, you know, force worldwide yeah. in, in, in world history, period. Um, and the fact that some kid in his basement in Nebraska can <laughs> can find his way into that uh, computer system. Yeah. You know, the these these people, everything that these governments are using right now these people pioneered yeah they will continue to pioneer and they will always be a step ahead Mm -hmm. of of these government entities in my opinion yeah no no and i think that the idea of that spurs innovation as well definitely if you are aware of i believe his name's hacker giraffe he is a he's a well-known in the hacking community online yeah and he was most popularly known for hacking into uh, Google Home products and right. printers all around and printing out a uh, subscribe to PewDiePie uh, a message. Yes, and, I heard about this. And exposing their lack of security. Uh, yeah. But once that was done, Google bumped up their security so no one else could do it. So mm-hmm. the question is, do you take legal action against this man for you know invading your privacy and potentially exposing a hole in your system, or do you praise him for doing something relatively docile, meme-worthy, and, uh, you know, pointing out, hey, your system has a hole in it here. Like, you should get on that. I think you bring up an interesting point, meme-worthy. Under the guise of, uh, or under the, um, let's say the, the, it's it's almost like a badge that you would wear. Yeah. It's like a meme, a meme badge that, protects you from certain things you do things for the sake of of memes and comedy and things like that and Mm -hmm. it almost gives you an out in a way well i'm not even saying that i'm saying in this certain certain situation he could have printed out something offensive he could have sent a a hateful message he could have pushed an agenda but instead he promoted a a a, A youtuber yeah one of those original youtubers who didn't do it for money exactly so i I think that 
I think you have to to respect that morality and and I think I think in a certain way the the meme community is cast out in a certain light, kind of like the the gaming community is, where they're yeah relatively antisocial. They don't contribute much to society, right? And they're I, I think for the most part they're misunderstood. Definitely. And uh, uh, a little bit of bias aside here, I, I will suspend my bias because I have associated myself with people who are very much invested in that uh, kind of culture. Right. But I do think that at the end of the day, a lot of these creators are doing it, like you said, old saying, but for, for the lulls, for comedy's sake. You yeah. Know? It's not like stand-up comedians like your Tom Segura and your, and your Burt Kreischer they're making you know offensive jokes uh, about like uh, whether they be like their friends or certain social groups because they hate their friends or hate their social groups. No, they're doing it because it exposes an inherent truth. Yeah, and uh, expands on that, makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable. But it people can laugh together at the end of the day. You know, yeah, they're doing it for the greater comedic community, and uh, I think that's. Uh, at the end of the day, that's kind of where memes stand in my book, you know? Yeah. It's it's people doing it to make other people laugh. I don't think that people inherently, for the most part, make this type of content to hurt someone. Yeah. I uh, I, I, I would agree with you. I think that it's uh, a good way to kind of bring this home, man. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we start off by talking about George Washington. We talked about the wholesomeness of memes at the end and uh yeah i'd so. like to uh to thank you max for sharing this insight and and getting some depth out of you know videos like i want a nut and you I, I i would like to thank you for being a beautiful man with a beard oh you so um happy birthday to george washington uh thank you everybody for listening uh fuck nicholas maduro and uh that's it for this week